Hello and welcome to a very special episode of Eyewitness Beauty, live from the East Coast. Everyone is on the East Coast, including myself. I'm Nick Axelrod, Welk, as in my husband's last name, Welk. And who am I joined by? This is Annie Creekbaum. Remember me? Yeah, I do. I was just saying before we started recording that I just started answering work emails yesterday after being in baby newborn land for six days. And it felt so nice to like just write an adult email, you know, CC someone on something or like write BCCing you to save your inbox, you know, like things like that just felt really nice and soothing to do, which is to bury the lead. I, my husband and I welcomed a baby girl last Wednesday, February 24th, 5.58 p.m., She was a beautiful 7 pounds and 12.7 ounces and 18 and a half inches. And she is a little perfect angel. Our surrogate is a goddess angel as well. She pushed for three minutes. I just, I I, I was in the room for the whole birth, as was Casey, my husband. Have you ever seen a birth? Uh, nope, I have not. <laughs> Besides my own, but that it was like it was point of view, you know. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think everyone should see a birth once because it is amazing. It is awesome in the true sense of the word awesome. And what's the most awesome about it is it really like connects you to how we all got here. Like talk about answering questions about why are we here and who are we and what's going on. Watch a baby being born. And sort of going from life inside a stomach to life outside in the world is like totally insane and amazing. Our surrogate pushed for three minutes. So I think I also witnessed what everyone in the room had said was a pretty low key and sort of very cut and dry, you know, situation. But it was amazing. Like the minute she came out, I cut the umbilical cord and then... I like whipped off my hoodie. I wore a zip up hoodie. My friend Allie told me to wear like just a hoodie with no shirt underneath so you could quickly do skin to skin. And so I like zipped down my hoodie, put Evie, her name is Evie, put Evie on my skin and then just like sat in this chair for like 20 minutes. The baby. The baby's name is Yes, the baby's name is Evelyn Elizabeth Axelrod Welk, named after Casey and my grandmothers who we both were super fond of and loved dearly. And yeah, we like did skin to skin, which is pretty incredible. The hospital she was born at was amazing. It's hard to describe the experience. The thing I will say is the first night in the hospital, they just kind of like leave you alone. It's kind of like a hotel. Once the baby's born, like you're just kind of staying there. They're like, okay, good luck. You don't just leave. I don't, I have no idea how this works. <laughs> so there's a couple of like tests that they have to do at at least the 24 hour mark to like make sure that all systems are go and, you know, up and running. So you're in the hospital for at least 24 hours and sometimes 48, sometimes longer if there's an issue. We ended up just being there for just over 24 hours. And like there, <laughs> for some reason, I thought that she would be like hooked up to like a blood oxygen monitor and like a heart, mo- you know, like all these things so that that would like beep to the nurse's station if something went wrong. But no, like, I mean, yes, the nurses are like a button away, but you're kind of just taking care of your baby. And like the funny thing is that 
our surrogate is pumping so we can feed Evie breast milk. But usually your milk doesn't come in for a few days after birth. And so we were supplementing with formula. And I, of course, did all this research and found a organic biodynamic German formula that you left import that's not exactly street legal called Holly made with like happy cows that like are living their best life and they do yoga, they practice mindfulness meditation, but all the directions are in German. So (laughs) at one point the nurse right before delivery was like, okay, do you have the formula ready? And I was like, yes. And I gave her the box and I was like, but it's in German, but here's like, I printed out some you know, English direction. And she looked at me and she was like, okay, you're going to deal with that. <laughs> that'll be, that'll be your job. Wait, you handed the nurse like the powdered formula well, she, to like me. Yeah. Well, she asked me for the formula. Like, she was like, we should get it ready. And I think she was assuming that it would be like liquid formula, which is when it's like pre-mixed. It wasn't. And so I was like in the corner of the delivery room, like mixing this German formula. And That was that. That was a week ago. And every morning we wake up and we say, you know what? We did it. She's still alive. Like every, it's just, we're just happy that we wake up and she's still alive. I mean, we're up all night, but she's still alive and she's thriving. She already regained her birth weight. What do you mean? Like usually baby, you have, you don't know anything about babies. Neither did you like. That's true. Fair. (laughs) Nine months ago. (laughs) So babies. (laughs) (laughs) babies immediately after birth lose a little bit of weight because they're like learning how to eat and all that. And usually like the breast doesn't come in. And if you're exclusively breastfeeding, then babies definitely lose weight in the first few days, but then they obviously regain it. And so, you know, one of the first milestones that pediatricians like to see is that babies regain the weight that they lost immediately after birth. And usually it takes a week. Evie did it in three days. She's a bit of an overachiever already. I love the way she sleeps and the photos that I've seen. Yeah, I mean, swaddling is really weird. Like, apparently, babies love it, but it's you're literally wrapping a baby into a straitjacket so they can't move and, like, they quote-unquote love it. I want to know how they interviewed the babies to get that insight. She looks very happy. I mean, she has her little hands, you know, curled under one side of her face like a little adult. I know. I know. It's very cute. Very cute. She's cute. One thing we're being really conscious of already that I actually learned from a friend of mine is not saying, oh my God, she's so beautiful. Like, you're so pretty. You're so perfect. You're so beautiful. But saying things like, you're so strong. You're so powerful. You're so confident. You can do anything. You gained so much weight. You gained your birth weight. And that's awesome. Because I just want to enforce those positive attributes instead of just relying always, you know, it's easy to tell a little girl that she's pretty and cute and all that. But then you kind of, I, I feel like that must fuck with your head. So We're going to start with powerful and confident and Mm self-assured and a warrior. So that's me. What have you been up to the last week? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I can't top that. Try. Maybe I've been working on a little, uh, a little something for Evie. Not for you. Really? I like, is it a homemade thing? Maybe. I had a little um, moment of worry and self-doubt when you said something about homemade baby gifts. What did I say? You said something like, who cares about somebody else's baby that much? And I was like, yeah, gross. <laughs> and then I went to the Gap and got a, pack of, a six pack of socks. <laughs> <laughs> so. No, I think homemade baby gifts are the best. Mm, okay. But any, everything is good in New York City? Yeah, I'm still doing fine from having COVID. My company is doing well, super well. Do we have a date 
at which we're going to reveal what the fudge you've been working on? Yeah, we're working on it. We launched a small part of it, like soft launch, a small thing. So it's cool to see how that's been going. And yeah, we might have to bleep all this out, um, <laughs> getting <laughs> approval from my co-founder. No, it's cool. I did. Oh my God, I did media training. Oh, we got headshots. I sent them to you and you told me That's, that they looked like yeah. engagement photos, which was exactly no, what we weren't one. going for. So thank you. <laughs> no, there's just one where it's like you're like doing like big spoon and little spoon with your co-founder. And it's just like a little bit like an engagement photo. But everything else was beautiful. No, but the headshot thing was funny. I cried when I saw the first photos of myself because I hadn't had my photo taken since I was like mid 20s. So I was like, yeah. what is that? What is that? It's called gravity. No, I actually looked really great. I just... Oh, that's what I mean. It's called the opposite of gravity. Also, media training is really funny. I did it when I worked at Yahoo briefly. When I was consulting for Yahoo, they brought this like fancy media trainer in. I didn't really learn anything. They were like, don't keep your hands by your side was one thing I learned. Like you're always supposed to like speak with your hands and seem engaged with your hands. Yeah, because a lot of people would just put their hands by their side like a walking zombie or something. Oh, she even gave me the option. She was like, do you want to do it just sound or do you want to do video zoom? And of course I said video zoom because apparently I come off as a huge bitch on the podcast. <laughs> I feel like if you see my face, you see that I'm smiling, that I'm friendly, yeah, no, it's that I have these downturned eyes that are just like puppy eyes, these like yep. long doe lashes that are just so endearing. And I care about what you're saying. Can you just throw us one media tip? You're in charge. You're in charge of the interview. If they ask something and you don't know the answer, you can just say, I don't know the answer. I'll look into that and get back to you. It's not a test. You also, if there's a question that they ask that you don't want to answer, you can deflect and like turn it around into something you do want to say. I passed with flying colors because I'm an, I'm, I'm an excellent bullshitter. Not that I'm bullshitting, but she threw some hardballs my way and I turned it around. I turned it into a positive. So that's good. Yeah. I have a friend who's an actress and I remember she told me a long time ago, the advice she had gotten from her publicist was like, if you're ever asked question that you like, just don't know the answer to, but not that one that could be fact-checked, like more about like, when did you know you wanted to be an actress? You know, we don't have like a good answer. Just literally make up a story. <laughs> yeah, that's true. You know, like, oh, I was little and I remember riding in the car and my mom would, you know, play Judy Garland and I would sing along and I just always, you know, maybe that was God, me, that's but, such an know. actor tip. I can't, I'm not, I'm not a bullshitter <laughs> like that. We have a lot of top stories. So let's effing do it. So Annie, this is breaking news. And I think this is breaking news that kind of gives you a little glimpse into my mental state right now, because it's breaking news from 2018. And that was something that you pointed out to me, a story that I had pitched for this episode, which is that a dozen camels were disqualified from a Saudi Arabian camel beauty pageant for allegedly being injected with Botox to make their ears look prettier. I'm glad they're finally cracking down. (laughs) I know. And it was from 2018. So that is not a breaking news story, but I think something that everyone should just have on their radar that people are Botoxing camel ears. But on to the real news. Okay, so the biggest and craziest story that kind of just popped out of nowhere, I don't think anybody saw this coming unless I guess you work at Lauder, but Becca Cosmetics, makers of Champagne Pop, is that what you 
Yep. That was like the Jaclyn Hill collaboration that like broke the internet. It's made like $3.2 million. Damn. In like a very short time. They've been around for 20 years. They're an Australian brand, but then they like grew really quickly in the US. I'm sure everybody here has seen them at Sephora. They're in like every Sephora. They made my favorite liquid blush ever that inspired products that I had worked on. And they're shutting down. It's just crazy. They also had been doing yeah. like, we, we talked about this on our live that we did. They did two collaborations with Chrissy Teigen. They had like one of the Euphoria actresses, Barbie Ferreira. Yeah. What to me is so shocking is how recently Lauder had acquired Becca. They acquired Becca in 2016 for over $200 million. And that is a pretty recent acquisition to kind of like basically give up on. The closure, according to Women's Wear Daily, was part of Estee Lauder's post-COVID business acceleration program which sounds like a euphemism for a (laughs) cost-cutting program, which included closing underperforming retail locations, any counters in travel retail, which is like all the duty-free shops in airports and train stations, and also in Latin America and other initiatives like that. They also very quietly closed Prescriptives, which is a brand that they've tried to rebrand a few times, that custom skincare makeup brand Prescriptives, it had been online only, but now it's also kaput. It was like a beauty counter at like department stores. You'd go in and they would have like these yeah, machines. Like, and, like mix your They would thing. mix a custom foundation for you. Becca doesn't seem, it didn't seem to have been a particularly like irrelevant brand, which is kind of what surprised me about it. Like highlighting is still a thing, you know, and Becca was known for their sort of easy no makeup, makeup highlight. I do think that they really put all their money into like the shimmer highlight game though. And I think that that was their ultimate downfall here. They over... They over-indexed on highlight complexion. On a shimmer. Well, also, this was either right before or right after, probably decisions made in tandem internally, that Lauder announced that they had taken a majority stake in the holding company Desiem, which is the parent company of The Ordinary, most famously the brand of very cheap, active serums and powders and things like that. Niod is another brand they have. They have 10 brands, hence Desiem. So this brings us to our next major news story that happened while we've been out, and that is Lauder has acquired a majority stake in Desiem. They had already invested in the brand, but with this latest investment, they are a majority stakeholder, and this values Desiem at $2.2 billion. Reportedly, it's like the most Lauder has ever paid for a brand, we don't know how much they paid, but it it couldn't have been cheap. Nick, thoughts? Let's hear it. It's interesting. I know that when Brandon Truex, I think that's how you pronounce it, was still alive, he was the troubled founder of the company. He was posting crazy things about Leonard Lauder and about the company and, you know, like talking trash and Sephora dropped that. Like there were all these He was like a huge liability. And I know that internally Lauder was not happy with how off the rails and unable to be kept in line the brand founder was. Because I think when Lauder invests in brands, they're also investing in founders. Part of the deal that Lauder cuts in these acquisitions is that the brand founder will stay on and lead the brand for a certain, at least for a certain amount of time. And so when Brandon had just kind of like run amok and was obviously ill and struggling with all sorts of things in his personal life, Lauder was like, oh, geez, geez, Louise. And he passed away. The brand 
then sort of was able to rebound, get back into Sephora. They launched in Ulta. They are huge on TikTok. They're just a perfect social media brand for, you know, Gen Z because it's accessibly priced. And like the armchair, like dermatologist that we all and now chemist, are. Yeah. Because it, the idea is that like you kind of like build your own multi-step routine using these serums that are really high in like one or two ingredients. They have like some other like hero products that are more complicated formulas, but to me this is Lauder's first big move in Gen Z. This is their first acquisition that puts them firmly in play in the Gen Z market and world. Why do you think this is Gen Z specifically? I just think they're trying to put all their eggs in one basket and, or put a lot of their eggs in the skincare basket. They have like PTSD from COVID. Yeah, I mean, I think that's probably true. And obviously we've talked on this podcast about the fact that skincare has shot up while makeup has, you know, plummeted during and before COVID. So that I think obviously is part of it. But I just think there are several brands that are really just relevant right now in skincare and in makeup and sort of the area in between those two categories. And The Ordinary is one of them. So I think it's it's also strategic in that they're reaching a new audience that I don't think... I mean, what other brands does Lauder have that would speak to a 16-year-old? I don't know off the top of my head, to be honest. Let me open my binder. Exactly. Let me open my binder where <laughs> I keep all the brands that Lauder has acquired. Okay, let's move on. Speaking of founder drama, it was announced that KVD, formerly Kat Von D., Beauty, makers of the Locket Foundation, which is famously a very high coverage, really strong staying power foundation formulated and invented by reality show and famed tattoo artist Kat Von D. Kat Von D Beauty, she had like one of the most famous liquid eyeliners that everybody loved. This brand is in every Sephora. The creation of the brand was with Kendo Brands, the Sephora brand incubator that also did Fenty Beauty. Thank you. Thanks for that little tidbit. Well, we know, or some of us might know, that Kat stepped away from the brand. I don't remember exactly how it was framed, but... I I imagine it was very professionally (laughs) and without any drama. (laughs) This was after, you know, she, I think, in the press had come under fire for... One, she was dating a neo-Nazi at the time. Maybe not at the time, maybe before, but... There were a few pictures of her posing with someone and there was a swastika They were dating involved. the actor, Jesse James. And, you know, maybe it was a costume. Who cares? And then she <laughs> is famously anti-vax, which is a huge problem. I mean, it's, come on. We should intro her as the problematic reality star and tattoo artist Kat Von D. Is that fair? And there? now disgrace. She's so problematic. I agree. The anti-vax is like very problematic. I think the the weird thing is for me too, it's like for such a modern brand, they came out a few years ago with their influencer collective that was like in-house, I guess. Yep. And it was like all white chicks. It's very weird. It was just like, you guys yeah. really aren't like thinking about this. Like, Well, this is the girl who dated a neo-Nazi. Exactly. So it's hard to kind of like separate out, you know, you want to give people the benefit of the doubt, especially if they're kind of like a degree of separation from someone problematic. You're like, oh, like all of us have like that yeah. family member or friend that like sucks for whatever reason. Actually, Annie, I have never taken a photograph with someone wearing Nazi paraphernalia. And there's a lot of pictures floating on the internet of me probably like somewhere on the internet. And there's, you will not find a picture of me with any kind of Nazi, <laughs> any kind of Nazi person or place or thing. Fair. I'm sure of it because I've never done Fair. it. Count, count me in. 
Okay. <laughs> the two of us. That, we're in that same boat together. All of which is to say, Kat Von D left her brand, Kat Von D Beauty, which was or was at asked the time, to leave. I <laughs> they parted ways. The brand was a pretty solid seller at Sephora, and they did not want to close the brand. So they, I guess, have spent the last couple of years <laughs> coming up with a new definition of the KVD acronym. And they've decided, they announced this week, that it now stands for Cara Veritas Decora, which means value, truth, and beauty. And they like showed the new logo. Also, they announced their new head influencer, like face of the brand, who's also a tattoo artist. She's a woman of color and beautiful. That's great. I guess like the, the criticism I'm seeing online is it's a reach. Like they should have just renamed the brand because I guess K is not a letter in the Latin alphabet. Kara starts with a C in Latin. Really? That's what people are saying. Let's verify this. I mean, like I just, when I I look at this, I'm just like thinking like the person who came up with this must have gotten paid so much money as like a consultant. I just, here's what I think is funny about rebranding KVD. To me, it plays into this trend we've seen of brands announcing celebrities as their creative directors, where like, do you think that consumers are that dumb to think that it's not just a typical endorsement, that the celebrity is actually like in the boardroom presenting mood boards? Why do we think that people are all of a sudden going to feel differently about KVD Beauty now that it's called Cara Veritas Decora? I also think that the moment in time in which like tattoo inspired beauty was really breaking news is probably a little bit come and gone. And this kind of like angry punk, but like vegan crusader vibe that Kat naturally embodied is now being sort of like branded in the rebrand as here are their key principles. We celebrate the individual. We give a fuck about the world. We believe outsiders are insiders and stand up for what's right. We create high pigment, high performance makeup. Inspired by tattoo artistry, we give you the tools to live your beauty truth. It just feels very like a little forced and canned for me. I have to know. Sorry. I'm just. It's, you know, it's going to be the swastikas for me at the end of the day. FYI, Annie has spent the last, I'd say at this point, like, 10 minutes trying to figure out whether Cara is an actual Latin word for value or whether it's actually spelled C-A-R-A. If there are any Latin scholars who listen to this podcast, at the, at, you know, I have a baby to get back to who's probably crying, wondering where I went. So we're going to put a pin in that question and we're going to hope a user- Hold on. Nick, I didn't even want to record. I wanted to give us three weeks off. I wanted to no, get a little heavy. My new thing is going to be about how my values have changed. And like, I just like my time. It's like, you know, like my time is precious that I'm not Justin, with my are daughter. Are you hearing this you shit? Know? <laughs> now, I think Nick's time has always been the most precious out of all of us. Oh, <laughs> uh, you know what? You would not be the first to say that I felt that way. And, and I don't think you'll be the last. Shall we do the next story? Yes, but please, will somebody just like email us, us, Instagram, anything. Just let me know. It's bothering me. Here's a really happy piece of news. Dolly Parton received the Moderna vaccine, a vaccine that she in part helped create. She funded some of the research for. She is a national, international treasure who should be protected at all costs. So that the fact that she has the Moderna vaccine makes me rest a little bit easier. 
Yeah, she got the Moderna vaccine. She wore a sweater with cutout shoulders, making it easy access for the doctor. There you go. Yeah. Also, interesting fact, according to NPR, the doctor that administered her vaccine was the same that treated her after a car accident that she was involved in a few years back. And they became friends. They stayed friends. So I love that. Of course you do. And you know what I love most about this? She made a Twitter video and sang her famous song, Jolene, except replace Jolene with vaccine. (laughs) And I mean, you can't make this shit up. No, you can't. We're living in a dystopic hellscape. Here's one that Annie, a news story that Annie found. Yeah, we know you don't care, Nick. (laughs) (laughs) I just thought it was funny because we kind of have a little laugh about these like brands that name celebrities, their creative directors or their whatever title. We have a new one. Luka Doncic, who is like the wonderkin of the NBA. He just turned 22 years old this week. He plays for the Dallas Mavericks, the world champion Dallas Mavericks. Go Mavs. He's Slovenian. I call him our big boy because he truly does look like a child. Like that is just like (laughs) a very large NBA player. And he is now the chief global chief hydration officer of a new energy protein drink for a brand called BioSteel. He's also like got a ton of equity in the brand. Good for him. The weird part about this is like it goes kind of deep in the like weird nouveau investment, new industry world because Canopy Growth, which is like the biggest cannabis conglomerate, owns a majority stake in BioSteel, this company. Anyway, so look out for BioSteel, all of our jocks that listen to Eyewitness Beauty and get swole. In alternative meat news, it was announced recently that Beyond Meat, which is the competitor to the Impossible Burger, struck a deal with McDonald's to create the McPlant Burger, which is a burger that is made with this imitation red meat. We have talked about on the podcast before that Burger King had struck up a little love affair with Impossible, right? Right. So now here comes Mickey D's with a Beyond Me burger. At the time, other people in the industry had speculated that McDonald's was developing their own plant meat alternative, but instead they've just... They're outsourcing that to Beyond Meat. Beyond Meat also is working in conjunction with a company called Yum to make exclusive menu items for KFC, our beloved KFC, Taco Bell, and Pizza Hut over the next several years. So this is good. We know that livestock agriculture is the biggest contributor to global warming. I know nobody believes that, but it's true. So meat alternatives can't be a bad thing. By the way, can somebody confirm this? Like we can do it Dumois style. Like we can block out your name. We'll never tell. Do the Kardashians own McDonald's? Probably. We've, I'm sure we've all noticed over the years, like going way back that Kim specifically has hyped them constantly. She's like always talking about like going to McDonald's, having these like huge McDonald's spreads. And then Travis Scott had like the first collab since Michael Jordan in the 90s. Yeah. Something's going on. There's something going on. It's Ronald McDonald and Kim Mm, I don't want to say... Don't say it. ...or a thing. Okay, I won't say it. So Kylie posted like a drunk Instagram drive through story, which the part that made me the most nervous is, of course, she's in like one of her like Lamborghini, Ferrari, custom sports cars that have to cost like $500,000. And she's wasted because her and Kendall just filmed 
a little video for their Instagram or YouTube or whatever video platform, <laughs> drinking Kendall's 818 tequila, because I know you didn't want to talk about it on the podcast because it's not beauty related, but Kendall Jenner did launch a tequila company. Kylie's wasted. Kendall's wasted. Kylie has, who I'm assuming is her assistant, drive her $500,000 custom car. Can you imagine like being her assistant and her like being like, can you just drive? No, I'd be like, uh, it's like when we drove home from the hospital with our baby, I like drove like 20 miles an hour. Does Kylie not take Ubers? Like what's going on? But um, I don't know. They go through the McDonald's drive-thru and they order spicy chicken nuggets. Kylie is like drunk dropping them in her seats and they're the exact same orange color as the interior of this car. I'm just like, nothing's mm. not coordinated mm. for her. No. Anyway, moving on. Another Kylie story. Why? Another Kylie story? Yeah. Why? Obviously, I like need to get a life. Why? I saw she has a tanning bed in her gym. I thought we humans have evolved past tanning beds. Am I crazy? I think that the Kardashians value appearance above health. But they have these like crazy outdoor spaces where they could just like I tan too, like from the sun. I'll go out and like lay out, whatever. But like a tanning bed? Kylie doesn't want to take the time. Okay. She wants 10 minutes in, 10 minutes out. Next story reminded me of my first job in fashion, which was at Women's Wear Daily, the fashion trade publication. John Fairchild, who was the first editor of Women's Wear Daily, always said to his editors when they were going to fashion weeks across the world, he said, if you see it three, three times, times that's a trend. Yeah, it's a trend. We talked about this. And <laughs> the Smith family, as in Jada, Will, Willow, and Jaden, just launched a personal care brand called Hey Humans, which follows on the heels of Pharrell's Human Race brand and the sustainable personal care brand by Humankind. So now we have three human personal care brands, Humans a Trend. That are also sustainable. Yes. Interesting. You would think that somebody would be like, hey, my friend told me they're kind of working on something with Pharrell. Well, also you would think that like trademarking these things would be tough because one of the things that you're either approved or denied on is based on like whether it would, it would create confusion in the marketplace. And you'd think if you saw a jar that said, hey, humans, or a jar that said by humankind, and then one that said human race, you would be completely confused. So to me, that would be like maybe uh, an issue. As someone who's had to trademark and like name a lot of things over the years, i pretty sure like humans and any like slight variation it's on the word or it's just it's not necessarily descriptive but it is so ubiquitous that it's not possible to trademark hmm. that's my guess yeah i haven't researched it don't take my word on it but we have three brands called human that are in the same category so i think that that might be what we're dealing with here but yeah they launched hey humans it's at all the targets from reading the comments from people on their Instagram, people seem to really like the smell of the products. They're like shower gel, a toothpaste, deodorant, I think. Awesome. Red Table Talk is a balm for me that I, a salve, so to speak. Did you watch the Olivia? Who's the one who her mom paid to get her to college? No. I, Olivia Jade. I didn't. Olivia Jade came to the red table a few months ago. I was too busy watching Kylie's Instagram stories, but go ahead. <laughs> Long story short, they take people to task. People get real at the red table, red table talk on Facebook watch. You, you've got my endorsement. 
Speaking of trademarks, Chris Jenner. Can we go back to the Kardashians? Sorry, I don't know yes. why we stopped talking about them. Yeah. Chris Jenner filed for a trademark for Chris Jenner Beauty, Chris Jenner Skin, and Chris Jenner Skincare, which, you know, in true Kardashian fashion, seems to indicate that a standalone brand is on the horizon for Miss Jenner. Okay. We're not done talking about big brand money news. Has anyone listening to this podcast tried Madison Reed? I have not tried it. I don't color my it's hair. It's an at-home hair color brand. It's an at-home hair color brand. And if you haven't tried it yourself and you listen to podcasts, I'm sure you've heard the commercials. I feel like they're like as ubiquitous of a podcast advertiser as Casper Mattress was. Stamps.com. Stamps.com. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> None of which advertise with us, but that's okay. They raised... Are you ready? $52 million. That's a lot of money. Well, I mean, I guess quarantine, COVID, hair salons closed, people taking their luck into their own hands, their life, their hair, and hair is booming. At-home dyeing is booming. Do you think that like Lauder dropping some of their big, I'm assuming big color cosmetic brands and now like these investors dumping millions and millions of dollars into like at-home hair color. Do you think they're kind of like after President Biden's announcement this week of like every adult getting the vaccine by what is it, May? Yeah. In the US, do you think they're kind of like, oh shit, we thought the pandemic would have lasted way longer? <laughs> because I can't see like everyone being like, you know what? I tried at-home hair coloring. It's I'm never looking back. It's for me. <laughs> <laughs> I just like how it fits so easily into my lifestyle. <laughs> I don't really, it, it's foolproof. My arms feel great. Proof. <laughs> yeah, my towels have never looked whiter. It's, uh, yeah, no. I, I love grouting. Sure. I love regrouting. I think that the idea probably is that the tail of, and sort of like the tail effects of COVID and of quarantine, companies are betting that it will last several years, hand sanitizer, you know, things like that, that are not just going to disappear because the majority, well, first of all, all U.S. citizens will be able to receive the vaccine. That doesn't mean that they'll be required to take it. It's going to take quite a long time oh, to get to herd immunity, I think. So and all these anti-vaxxers. Oh, my God. I, I know. think about that. I don't. Don't even think about it. I feel like we should just touch on one last story, which is that there was a new U.K. law passed that banned influencers from using Instagram filters that would change their appearance if they were promoting a beauty product. So making their skin smoother, if they were promoting a skincare product or making their lips bigger or like, you know, like the ones that are so subtle, you can barely tell, but you just look better in them. Now influencers are going to be watched in the UK as to whether they're using those filters. It makes sense because in the EU, they were the first to really be stringent about actually having to show the exact product being advertised on the model. Mm -hmm. So, you know, if you were doing like a Maybelline commercial and you wanted to show how like Great Lash was making your lashes so amazing, oftentimes in the old days, you would use whatever Gorilla Glue to like make the lashes look <laughs> Don't do that. amazing. And now, of course, you have to use Maybelline Great Lash. I know. I remember I was on set for a shoot for a makeup brand one day and it was a makeup artist I hadn't worked with before. And she <laughs> unpacked her kit and it was just every other brand's products than the one that we were shooting for. And I like 
short-circuited. I was like, what are you doing? <laughs> yeah, you can't do that. I didn't even realize it was a thing. And also in the UK, I think, were they the first? It's in the US now too. You have to have a disclaimer on your advertisements that says that this photo was like digitally enhanced, digitally altered. Right. Europe is always first to get there. You know, now in the UK, they are banning these filters appearance changing filters for influencers. It can't be too far in the future that the US will do the same thing. I think it's a good thing. I think that influencer advertising, influencer marketing is the new normal so that they should be held to the same rigorous transparency standards that traditional advertisers are held to. The one little funny anecdote I'll say is that in the world of egg donation in surrogacy, so that is the agencies that will work with women who are open to donating their eggs to families that don't have eggs. On their profiles of all the egg donors, a lot of the donors have Snapchat filter photographs with like little like birds flying around their heads and like butterflies in their eyes. And these are women that will make up 50% of the DNA of the child. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. And so I just think that like this is the ban on Snapchat filters Or like even the concept that like people are using these even just for like normal pictures that you would send in for a egg donor profile, just like you would a dating profile that like you shouldn't be able to doctor the pictures because you're you're actually basing a pretty big decision on a profile. Nick, I think I found your CSR initiative. I think I found your cause to represent. Really? Is this my cause? Yeah. Banning Snapchat filters for egg donation? Yeah. Yeah. I just think in general, it's a funny and weird and confusing world. And I I actually want to do some podcast stuff around surrogacy and egg donation. But anyway, that's all the news that we missed, sort of. We're going to post a little recap of other smaller stories that didn't make it into the episode. But that is kind of getting us up to date. I'm excited to be back and talking to an adult, talking to you, Annie, my work wife, my long distance friend. Let's do products of the week. Let's do it. So I have a product for all of our, I mean, just the scores of men listening to this podcast. When you reach your 30s, I mean, it could be in your 20s, but like when you reach your 30s, you start, you know, as a guy, you start going gray on the sides of your head. On the sides? Yeah. If you had like a fade or like a buzz on the sides and like longer on top, you would just notice like you start to get some grays on the sides. I have grays all over. And my husband, Casey, got a haircut a few months ago and the haircutter had recommended this wash-in shampoo that is from Just For Men. And you use it a couple times a week and it very slowly, kind of like Jurgen's body lotion, the one that will sort of very slowly give you a, a gradual a tan. tan. Yeah. yeah, this is a gradual degraying shampoo. It's called the Just For Men Control GX Gray Reducing Shampoo. The pro tip is that you only, even if you have dark hair, you go for the quote unquote light shades version because the darker shade one will make you look like Eddie Munster. It's not hair dye per se. It doesn't turn your hair black. But Casey's been using it much more diligently than I have. And it's literally taken away all of the grays in his hair, kind of miraculously. He's also done it a little bit in his eyebrows. They were not they were actually never gray, but they're definitely not gray now. It's $8.49. It's called Control GX Light Shade Just for Men Gray Reducing Shampoo. I've been using it, but I'm 
bad at sticking to something. But anyway, it's really cool and it really works and it's very subtle and you can't really fuck it up. It is dummy proof. And is it, um, it, so the shampoo itself is like tinted a dark color. Yeah. It's like, I guess it's like a shampoo dye. So mm-hmm. it's, you know, you do have to like wash your hands pretty quickly and like you keep it on for a minute. It's dye, but not dye, you know? To dye or not to dye. That is. Exactly. It really works. And I've seen it firsthand. Aw, great. You can buy it on Amazon. Madison Reed, are you listening? Exactly. You can buy it on justformen.com. What do you have, Annie? My product of the week is a hack that I developed because, well, okay, I have really long nails. They just happen this way. It's one of those things. It's like my hair growing. I don't, there's not like a trick to it. It just happens. The problem is they break sometimes and that's frustrating. Or sometimes I'm doing something and they bend backwards, which I really hate. It's like the weirdest, worst feeling in the world. And then my cuticles. Now my cuticles get really ragged and disgusting and dry. I just long thought that. About my cuticles? Mm-hmm. I've kept it to myself. Anyway, no, continue. So I ended up on a subreddit for long natural nails. Not a fetish subreddit. It is actually <laughs> a beauty subreddit. And through that, I ended up on this like manicurist blog that's very like internet 1.0, but she had great tips. And she was talking about cuticle oil and how important it is. And I've always thought it was just like a stupid thing that they try to upsell you on, like another beauty product that nobody needs. And they're always really expensive and they're in like tacky packaging and whatever. I also like don't like scented oils. I don't like oil blends. I don't like cheap oil. And she also said jojoba oil is the best. Like don't bother with other oils, which I agree. And she also said water is the enemy of natural nails. So if you ever go to Mm. get your nails done and they have you soak your nails in like warm soapy water and like trim your cuticles or push them back, that is like one of the worst things you can do. Turn around and walk right out. She also said before you get in a shower, put oil on your nails and on the underside of your nails to protect them, which makes perfect sense. So what did I do? I did not buy a cuticle oil, but I did buy these like chic Japanese Ha ha ha, laugh, Nick. Go ahead. I'll wait. (laughs) (laughs) Japanese water brushes, which are like, you get them at the art supply store and they're basically like empty pins that you can fill with water and they have a brush tip and you can unscrew them, fill them with more water when you're done. Then I got organic jojoba oil and I've been painting on, as if it were just a cuticle pen, my like expensive organic jojoba oil on my cuticles and... That's my story. Never been better? Yeah. The pins themselves cost anywhere from, there's some online that were like, I don't know, three bucks. If you get like a fancy brand, it can be up to like $14. I don't remember how much I paid, but the brand is called Koi Water Brush. It's from Sakura Color Products Corp. Where can you get this? I got it on Blick.com. It's like an art supply place. And the jojoba oil I got is from Typography, which is new to the U.S. I think it just launched in the past couple of weeks in the U.S., but they're described as the French answer to Decium. And they're like a very inexpensive, very chicly packaged skincare company. They have like a foundation product too. I ordered a huge, huge, huge amount of products and spent like $200. And I'll tell you guys more as I make my way through them. I'm listening though. It sounds good. My cuticles are actually a mess. Would it be okay for a man to use? (laughs) I don't know, like women's cuticles are genetically just much different than men's, you know? (laughs) Yes, I think you'd be okay using it. 
Isn't it cute? Don't you think it looks like it. kind of like I'm holding the pen up so Nick can see. Yeah, I love it. It's like very default. Will you take a picture of it for Instagram? Yeah, I'll do that. It's a good idea. And now we have a reader submitted product of the week. I'm not going to mention her name because she didn't say explicitly whether or not she wanted it. And so I'll just err on the side of caution. She says, hi there. I adore your show. We love that. Thank you. She says she's been recommending it to all of her friends and you are getting lots of new Australian readers. Good day. I am a 58-year-old woman living in Adelaide, South Australia. I work as an emergency physician and I'm a big amateur armchair skincare scientist. I wanted to thank you for spotlighting the issue of the lack of attention to menopause in regards to the skincare product market. Seems to me there's a large untapped market potential there. Dot, dot, dot. Are you listening? Brand developers and investors. To that end, I would like to share a vote for product of the week. I have always had normal to oily skin and medium fair complexion. Prior to menopause, I was using quite a lot of different active ingredients acids, vitamin C, retinol, yada, yada, yada. Her skin's always been very resilient. Now after menopause, everything has sort of flipped and I now have sensitive skin. She has a bit of rosacea type breakouts, which appear to be predictable after triggers such as too many active products, heat and sun, et cetera. It's a huge change and she's now learning about her skin all over again. The product that she recommends is called Fate, C-I-C-A-L-F-A-T-E by Avene. It's an inexpensive soothing cream, which behaves much like creme de la mer. It goes on thick and white and melts into skin beautifully. I don't know about the chemical makeup compared to la mer, but it is a definite dupe. I use it whenever I have a bit of a flare up and sensitivity and it reliably settles it overnight. I also agree with Annie's assessment of the Tatcha Dewey Serum. It's worth the hype and a nice combo of gentle yet effective. There you go. Hmm. Where can you get it? I just gave this product a quick Google. It looks like it's called Secofate Restorative Protective Cream. Again, it's by Avene. It's $28 for 1.3 fluid ounces, or you can get the 3.3 fluid ounces for $42 at dermstore.com. We'll put a link on our website. And you know what's crazy? A lot of people bought, we did like a little experiment and we posted like a link to our Amazon shop page for that underwear that I like. And a ton of people bought stuff. It was kind of crazy. I think we sold over a hundred packs of underwear. So if you listen to the podcast, you want to support us. We don't ever ask you for money, (laughs) but if you want to buy a product that we recommend, or if you just want to go shopping period, you can actually just like use links that we post on our website and you can like, say we post a link to Nordstrom or a product that's for sale on Nordstrom, but you end up on Nordstrom and you decide not for me, I'm going to buy this other thing, or I'm going to buy socks for my baby or whatever. We still might get 25 cents of that. We might get 25 (laughs) cents and it's going to go straight to Evie. So think about that. Thank you so much for listening. That was this week's episode of Eyewitness Beauty. We'll be back next week with, I mean, starting a series of what I think are just the perfect mix of guests that make me excited to do this podcast. And QAs. We have that big QA. And we have a Q&A coming up too. We got over 55 submissions. We're hard at work already sort of finding answers to those questions, finding them within ourselves and without. As always, Eyewitness Beauty is produced by Jessamyn Molly of Seaplane Armada. Our album art is by Simon Abronowitz, and our theme music, including Arts and Culture, which got a shout out from a review recently, is by Danny Prezant. Please remember to rate, review, and subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts. You can follow us on Instagram at eyewitnessbeauty, or you can write to us at hi at eyewitnessbeauty.com. 
We will, as Nick said, be back next week with another brand new episode. So we will talk with you then. Bye, everyone. Nighty night. I'm taking a nap. Bye.